The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit and every one that does he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You're already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire and they will be burned. You remain in me and my words remain in you. Ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. And so that first reading is about Paul come back to Jerusalem and he's getting pushed around, chapter 9 of Acts. But you remember chapter 8 and before, Saul kills people. He kills Christians. Why? Because he's a Pharisee. And so here's kind of the modern-day equivalent. When you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, any of the 12 apostles or their associates, they tend to be fishermen or tradesman, or, well, a tax collector. And so, kind of normal guys from Galilee. To say that you're a Pharisee is who Paul is, and you trained under Maliel, who is mentioned in the rabbinic lit, lit, literature. Why do they hate him so much? It's like a guy with a Harvard doctorate joined the Christian movement. I mean, he's one of the other side. He's not just some schmo. I mean, anyone who can get together a gang of Hellenists to go and bully Christians is a guy who's got some pull. And so when he goes over to the other side, to the Christian side, the reason that we have so many letters from Paul is by far and away he's the most literate of that first generation of apostles. Remember, in our Gospels, there are two that are written by with probably help, apostle, and that would be Matthew and John. The rest, the other two, Mark and Luke, are written by, Mark is an associate of uh, St. Peter, and his mom was an early Christian disciple, according to the Scriptures, and Luke has himself in the Acts of the Apostles, and he writes Luke in Acts of the Apostles. And in fact, there's one part where he's talking about what's happening to Paul in the third person, and then he turns to the first person, and he says, and then we crossed over into Europe, because it's when Luke joins them. That's how you know that it's a first-person narrative in that part. And so, when you're hearing the story in Acts of the Apostles, you're hearing the story from an insider, Luke, who by tradition was a physician, and so a fairly educated man could obviously write. And the story he tells is about Paul meeting the risen Jesus. There is this great 
Jewish scripture scholar named uh, Paula Fredrickson who say, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe in the resurrection. But what she said about Paul's conversion, because it's not just in chapter 9, the beginning of Acts of the Apostles, it's also he recounts it personally in Galatians and some other places of what happened. It just flipped him. It changed completely his life. And that's why in that first reading, when he goes down to Jerusalem, they don't trust him. Because the last time he was in town, he killed the deacon Stephen. He was part of that murder party. And so what flips a guy like that? That's not your usual conversion story, is it? So to talk about that and why this is all included in today's readings is to understand that reading from the letter 1 John chapter 3. And it says, children, and he's talking to us, because in that letter, he talks to the early Christians in three different ways. He calls them children, he calls them son, he calls them father. Because it's at different levels of Christian initiation. So at the initial entry level, when you are like children and getting fed, he says, not word and works, but truth and deeds. Now, why? How is that different? Well, you have to read through the whole passage because this passage concludes with those who abide in love abide in God. You cannot do anything apart from Him because it's not a book club. Christianity is not a book club. It's not just a group of people who sit around or are inspired and decide to do good things. Jesus promises much more than that. And so in the gospel, it, it's this John's version of the Last Supper. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which we usually do in Holy Week, they have the versions of what happened the night that Jesus is betrayed which we always participate in when we celebrate the Eucharist here. He took into his holy and venerable hands bread. And then looking up to heaven, he broke it and blessed it and said, this is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but they're not the earliest written recounting of what Jesus did that night. The earliest is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul has the same story of what Jesus did. Now, why is that important? Because in today's gospel from John, John does not recount the, same, the Last Supper the same way Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. The reason, according to Papias, Papias is what's called an apostolic father. The apostolic age in Christianity is how long the original apostles lived and those who learned from the original apostles. So it's basically that first and second generation, third generation of Christians. Papias said that he'd been a disciple of St. John, told stories about St. John. You can read the Papian fragments, which is early second century, anywhere online. But what he said was, was that Matthew was written first, then Mark and Luke, John wrote some years later 
because he thought Matthew, Mark, and Luke had left too much out. If you go to the very end of John's gospel, it says, if you tried to write everything Jesus did, there's not enough paper in the world. And so these stories that John is telling, this is why they call John the spiritual gospel, it's about the meaning of the things that Jesus did and something about what it means to worship in truth and deed. Because a word contain, contain truth in it, right? But truth is what the word tries to describe. And works, they can be full of love or not, but a deed rooted in the truth, that's something different. And it's the meaning of this vine and branches. Now here's the thing. This story about Jesus, which you already heard, about I'm the vine, you're the branches, you can't do anything apart from me, you'll be pruned back, the branches will be thrown away and burned, the live branches will bear much fruit. If you want to give glory to God, bear a lot of fruit. Do something. This is Jesus' speech at the Last Supper about what he's going to do. And so here. It's the Last Supper. The second thing is this. Remember, Jesus has always described himself as the new temple. So when he's talking about a vine, he's talking about a grapevine. And when you entered the temple, uh, Josephus, that first century Jewish historian who I've mentioned a couple times, describes the entry archway into the temple. And on top of it is a relief of these huge clusters of grapes. And what it's supposed to take you back to is, I think it's Numbers 12, where... Moses sends the disciples in the land of Canaan, and when they come back, they're carrying a pole with, they, or said they saw people carrying poles with clusters of grapes so big as a man. But people were like the ancient Nephilim, that's the word it uses, these giants, there's no way we can beat them. And so the people turn away in that book of Numbers and wander for 40 years. But that cluster of grapes, what that story meant in numbers was the superabundance offered in God. God who had made this whole world. How many species, how many barnacles exist in the world? God is fertility. And so when he talks about the wine and the branches, you're going back to these ancient Jewish motifs about promise. And so the Eucharist, we're all familiar enough with what our understanding of Jesus in the Eucharist. It comes right out of the apostolic age and the uh, fathers of the church that follow. Um, Justin Martyr, whose feast we'll celebrate uh, June 1, he had to defend the church against charges that we were cannibals, that we ate somebody at the Last Supper. That's how real the language of the first Christians was about the Eucharist. But that the idea that we're not a book club. Jesus just didn't throw the Bible down the middle of the street and say, you people figure it out. What he left was people that he would baptize through, people that he would confirm through, people that he would make the Eucharist available through, people he'd forgive through, people he would anoint through, because God works through his image in the world. And we're meant to be his image in the world. It's why the church's mission 
is to call people who are separated from God, to call them to something more. Change in their lives comes when they take the gospel seriously. So now I want to go back to 1 John. Remember 1 John was truth and deeds. You can quote the Bible as much as you want, but people understand if there's a huge gap between your ability to quote the gospel and what you do. Because one is just intellectual knowledge, the other is living the truth. And it's always been the problem of Christianity. It's our problem, right? There's always this gap. And so here's what 1 John says about this whole idea about pruning. Because remember what Jesus says is, cut off the dead branches that get thrown in the fire. And so in chapter 5, what 1 John says is, this is the early Christian understanding. He says, all sin is bad, but some sin is deadly. It's the same that Matthew referred to in chapter 12 of the gospel. Do you remember the sin against the Holy Spirit that how many Bible groups have gotten hung up on talking about the sin against the Holy Spirit, which can't be forgiven? So here's how the church explains it. Some people sin because they just don't know. That's ignorance. Ignorance is not stupid. Ignorance is just not knowing because nobody told them. We have a lot of young people growing up in the country ignorant of God's Word. Second, and this is the biggest category probably, weakness. Because you know the right thing to do, but well, any number of things intervene, right? And you fail out of weakness. Forgivable. This is the failure of a human being. It's why we look out into the world and you see people who don't know or they just have the same weaknesses we all have. You can't condemn them. But John says that there is a deadly sin. And that sin is maliciousness. What happens when you just don't care about God or one another? What happens when you know the truth but you just refuse to do it? It's the difference between not knowing or just being weak. What happens when you absolutely do not care? And what Jesus' answer is in the story of the vine and the branches is you're basically dead to God. You don't live in divine life. You don't even try. And so when you hear the story that's in Acts, about Saul. What kind of courage did it take a guy to turn his back on everything he had done his whole life? To risk rejection, not just by his fellow Pharisees, but also from the Christians that he wanted to join. This is why Paul is always kind of the odd man out, and why in so many ways, he is an inspiration of faith. Because there is a guy who left everything because of one experience on the road to Damascus that completely turned him around. So as we think of the story of the gospel and the gift that we've been given in the faith which we learn about through the scriptures, 
the sacraments that we participate in that give us life, like being branches on a vine. Let's not remember, forget rather, that what we're called to is holiness of life. That we're supposed to be God's image in the world. We may not know everything. We may, may not be the strongest people. But please God, help us to avoid ever being malicious. And so, we watch what we say, we guard how we think. 